self-serving persuasive talkers of everything and nothing we are conversation con artists what's going on people it's your boy mr on point and i don't believe in meat positivity also known as calamity red why don't you believe in meat positivity because i think it's shit how is it shit it just is no, you need reason. You, you are too intelligent, too smart. You know too many words. You know how to communicate how you feel too effectively to just shit, sit here and say, cuz. No. It just is. You, you just know? be an oppositional defiant. <laughs> I oppositional do not have OCD. Defiant. You do have ODD. Oppositional defiant disorder. You are just defying a positive ass movement just to do it. There's no need for it. Y'all are super proud of those things anyway. That's the problem. We are proud of them more than we proud of our own behavior. <laughs> How many dicks have you seen on your phone before you realized that the man sending you the dick was a dick? And not the good kind. So many dick pigs. It's so sad. So how can you not get behind a movement that encourages men to value themselves as much as they value their meat? <laughs> How can you not get, how can women not get behind that movement? I just, I just, I'm not, but we, we'll get into that because I've been called out for not being pro-meat positivity, apparently. You should be, okay? <laughs> Give a shit about no meat positivity. We are Conversation Con Artists back for another wonderful, fantastic episode. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R underscore on point. And I can be found at red underscore calamity. Also, we are still doing the listener letter portion of the show. So if you have a question you'd like for us to answer on the show, you can send it to our Gmail, which is conversationconartist at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Conversation Con Artist. We got a shit ton of letters. This this whole episode might just be letters. Yeah, we got a lot of letters. Like, I don't and- even know. As y'all know, uh, a couple of episodes ago, I made a declaration. <laughs> the declaration was that the fourth letter that we got was going to get a conversation con artist supply package. That's what I'm calling it. Okay. The problem is I wasn't very clear. <laughs> you wasn't. What I, in my head, what I meant was the fourth person that sends us an email. But what I said was the fourth email we get. So we have one very cunning and creative gentleman because he by always, the name of Leroy Ketchum Leroy from the Nerd always. Plate Podcast. Leroy is always going to find a way to buck the system. Loophole. He's a loophole connoisseur, <laughs> and I respect that. He sent three. He individual. sent three emails together because he wanted to be certain that he got to it. And I think from the last episode, he realized, oh, that's two down. <laughs> Boom, let me get it. So, technically, from what I said, Leroy yes. Ketchum won. But the, procedurally, the fourth person the fourth person won, who is Big Stu. Which I'm so excited about because he's, he's not a new listener, but he's new to us, like uh, to us knowing that he listens. So I'm excited about that. Every time we have somebody write in who say they've been listening to us do this shit, it's always so amazing to me. And I'm always just like, really? Cool. So I'm excited about Big Stu. That being said, both of you will be getting a Conversation Con Artist supply package. Send your addresses to the email yes. so that I can send you those things. Conversation call artist at gmail.com. So let's, uh, we got a I mean, lot. They sent the letters to that. So, oh, shit. They sure kind did. of, same place. <laughs> they kind of knew already. Shit. 
Uh, so look, let's get started. We gotta get started on these letters. We have a lot. Uh, for those of other of you who sent us letters, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do something else soon um, regarding uh, involvement from the listeners that we can uh, we can get behind. I'm so excited. All right. So if y'all know Leroy Ketchum from past letters, you know that he his letters are intense. They always are. <laughs> so let's get into it. Alright. Email number one, first thoughts. Sup niggas, excuse me, <laughs> Knuckles. Uh that is a government name podcast reference. Holler at them if you got time. Haven't forgot about y'all, and I do appreciate the shout out, but in the interest of being extra as hell and petty as fuck, I'm interested to know what this prize box is in this email numero uno of quattro. <laughs> But this wouldn't be a regular email, so I'll tackle what I want to tackle in here. So here we fucking go. I know this was in our group chat, but this is an issue I feel like we can argue about. Uh, This little girl on the pole dancing class flyer shit gotta go. So there is a place called a pole dance addiction that was offering children pole classes. And a picture of it was sent into the group chat that we all have as podcast. Yeah. And we was just kind of having a debate about the the appropriateness of it. And if the question that was asked was, would we allow our children to participate in such a class? I stayed out of it, but I'm going to respond now. All right. This little girl on this pole dancing class flyer shit got to go. As a professional in the youth development field, I just don't feel like it's appropriate, cuz. Yes, you bring about a good-ass argument about the fact that in this retarded, backward society, we have associated poles with hoes, um, which we have every right to, because I quote, a bitch got to get paid. Here I attest that children should be at least limited to what they're exposed to at least a little bit. I say only a little bit because if you already know, I cuss like a real-ass nigga and plan to have this... Explain to my little princess that daddy has to use grown-up words around his dumbass friends and stupid people. But this, to me, shouldn't be something that children are just exposed to. Sure, it's building core strength, but how about we just make kids do push-ups, sit-ups, and burpees and shit like Coach used to do to us? It's overly sexual, even how the little girl is dressed. In ballet and gymnastics, the leotard is the, sta- is the standard used, and this little motherfucker in sleepy clothes. Now, granted, the picture is... Of a little sour cream child in the health club that serves exclusively <laughs> white people and shit like that be cool for them. But for us chocolate mocha people, I tend to think that some of us see that shit as just inappropriate. It's like when you walk in on your parents a fucking and it changes your life outlook on shit. Now, unless you got a rogue ass, irresponsible ass parent and continue your sexual escapades, i.e. being your meat fucking foreplay and such, while explaining to your kids what you're doing, I think some boundaries need to be set. Also, this MM Horror House can kiss my oh, ass. Wait, let's just take one anything. Okay, let's go. Let, we, we'll break all these letters down. Yeah. <laughs> so, I took a pole dance class when I lived in Montgomery. It was a six to eight week class. I can't remember. I I would not let my child take a pole dance class. My college student that wanted to take a pole girl, go ahead. My kid, like the little girl in that, no. And this is why I say that. Yes, pole dancing absolutely made me have a better restrict, uh, respect for strippers because that shit is difficult okay it does help build core strength it absolutely does but um we also had to learn to do floor work so even though it was a, a pole class we still had to learn how to do floor work and the floor work shit was very sexual um 
And I know they could potentially take that out for a kid class, but there are other ways to build core strength. There are ways that have always ballet. You have gymnastics. You have just being on a regular dance team. There are other ways to get the same effect without it being tied to something like pole dancing, which like it or not, it is attached to strippers. It just is. And letting kids do it isn't going to make it any less be attached to to strippers. It's just going to make pedophiles very happy like that girl the picture of the little girl on the flyer pedophiles everywhere probably was just salivating over that shit if oh, they saw it pedophiles meet hard from kids tumbling in the playground I like you know, but can't I- use the mind of somebody <laughs> who will find sexualized behavior because they're looking for it well this ain't they don't even have to look for this though because again pole dancing is very much I, I was an adult okay when i signed up for this pole dancing class this was I don't know. I was in my 20s. I don't remember how long ago it was, but I in my 20s telling my mom that I was taking a pole dance class, she was appalled. <laughs> she was like, fuck are you doing that for? And I had to say, it was like, oh, it's good core. Like, it's a good exercise. It is. I mean, again, I, after that class, realized how difficult it is because strippers make it look easy. They make it look simple. They make it seem like you just get on there and swing around and it, it just works. It don't. You have to have a lot of upper body strength to do that shit. Um, but just from me actually taking one of those classes, I wouldn't. my kid wouldn't be doing it. That's just me. If she was interested in dance, there are other ways for us to access that that don't include you swinging from a pole. Okay. I, I just wouldn't do it. So to the point of that particular picture and if y'all look up pole dance addiction y'all will see what picture we talking about they for this conversation to the credit of that picture that looked like a backwater redneck hollowed out single wide uh <laughs> pole dance class okay it, it, it looked bad it was a little kid up there that had like two teeth that looked like her Daddy give her a sip of Budweiser every night I after dinner, stage. which is blue box macaroni and cheese is what she eat for dinner. <laughs> and it sounds like they said, hey, let's go over to the hollowed out single wide and put this pole up and market these classes. And yes, yeah, she had on like a red neck camouflage looking t-shirt. Well, not even a t-shirt. It was a half shirt. A half shirt. With and, some little shorts. And not even little shorts. Then with like underwear. Yeah. Then with kid underwear. And now here's the thing. What I will say about pole dancing is that like she could have had on a leotard that would have made it better but you have to have skin contact to the pole because you need to be able to grip the pole if you try to do pole dancing with pants on with some pants on it ain't gonna work so i had to i had to change when i got to my class because um it was when it was cooler or colder i said i was finna go in no shorts <laughs> to this shit so i had to change when i got there but you have to have skin contact to the pole. That's you what do. I was. That's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, you do have to have skin contact, or it won't work. But, but she, yeah, she had on some inappropriate underwear. Even though, like I said, when you do pole, you do two pieces. They have two pieces because the pole has to have that skin contact. Because there is a lot of moments where you you're grasp, grasping onto the pole between your arm and your your midsection. And you can't do that if you have you can't. It's, you're gonna slide. And you already can get pole burn. So if you Google children pole dances or children pole classes, you'll see a bunch of kids with those two pieces like that. Mm-hmm. But to the credit of, of what Leroy Ketchum and Shogun was talking about, that picture didn't look right. No. It looked like a back alley picture. And no, I would not let my child 
participate in that class. However, if it was an upstanding place that didn't look like it was in the fr- in the middle of a double wide, <laughs> and the children was uh, dressed appropriately for uh, a pole class, I would allow my children to be in a pole class. And for me, this is the reason. All right, I be talking about the umbrella I have for I believe shit at the top, so it'll plot the shit up under it. Mm-hmm. And I try my best not to have these little exclusionary data if that thing lies under my umbrella. In this instance, my umbrella is how much do we over-sexualize our society? We have a very over-sexualized society. Has pole dancing ever not been attached to stripping? Yes. Yes, pole pole did not start with uh, exotic dancing exclusively. It was also competition. It was also sport. I mean, you got pole jumping. That, like, that, well, well, I'm just saying pole. Different. Well, I'm saying poles <laughs> have been used for a lot of different things. But I mean, in the context of what the way that it is used in a pole dancing class, in that specific context, because that's the context we're talking about, has that been attached to something that is not sexual? Because I don't know that this is us sexualizing something. It is already sexualized because when you think of a pole, you think of a stripper. That Those two things are synonymous with each other. No, you don't think of a stripper pole when you see the same pole at the firehouse. If you're looking at the firehouse pole and you see dudes stripping down it and you think about it being sexual, then no. So we can, com- we can compartmentalize the pole. To me... Not if somebody's dancing on the pole. Like him sliding down it to go to a fire is different. Of course, it's not going to be. I'm saying pole dancing. If you're dancing on a pole specifically, that is going to be sexualized. Well, no, because then we got to isolate the kind of dancing. Because what you're saying is any kind of dancing that you can do. What other dancing you've seen around the pole? Okay. Uh, Let me see. Because I I look. It's a UK show named Super Kids. If you want to see what non sexual pole dancing look like, go look up. Ukrainian pole dancer Emily Moskalenko. There are tons of ways for a pole to not be sexual. Now, if you're going to tell me that pole is always sexual, no matter what dance you do on it, even if it's not like this girl is literally holding on to the pole and just emulating walking around the pole. I mean, what is sexual about that? The only thing that's sexual about it is if you've been to a club in Atlanta and seen them do that. But that don't make the dance sexual just because strippers strippers emulate things in that context that may not be. But that is the context that you see most often. You have to go out of your way to see this shit from the Ukraine. You do not have to go out of your way. You only have to go to Atlanta. We can go downtown right now and go see some strippers. What I'm saying is that the sexualized version is a lot more accessible and that's going to be what people are going to equate it with a lot more than this. I know what you're talking about because I've seen those kinds of... But that's because... Honestly, I was <laughs> I was looking at all of these um I don't know how I got down this rabbit hole, but I was looking at all of these blogs of strippers on YouTube. <laughs> and eventually, you know how YouTube just go down the whole the rabbit hole. Eventually it did get to like actual like the Ukraine stuff where they're they're holding themselves and they're walking around that strippers don't do that kind of shit. Like the, I've never Some seen Some of them do. I ain't never seen them do none of that. And and and, and pole competitions that are erotic pole competitions, they do that shit all the time. I ain't never I seen I mean it's it. a lot of shit. What but, I'm saying but what I'm saying is how many kids have we seen on pole pole dance? That's why. But this is the thing. <laughs> but this is the thing. We haven't seen enough kids to assume 
that when kids do it, it's sexual. If your only reference is going to be that I saw strippers, so kids must do the same thing that strippers do because it's a poll that strippers do this on, then you don't have enough information. You're not informed enough to say this is what kids going to be doing when they get on a poll. That's naive. If you believe that without having looked at what non-sexual pole can look like. Or you could just have your kid in a regular dance class you can, and not have to but play it's a lot of, not, of and, and you may and everybody, <laughs> a lot of people won't put their kids on a pole because no. of how sexualized it is. But it's a lot of parents out there who are untraditional and who challenge the Challenge those things. Person, but like for me again, especially I'm basing this off of me. Ta- the pole dancing class that I took was not. It was not advertised as being an erotic class. It was advertised as being something that was, um, like an exercise class. But when I got in there, and it was a large part of it was. But again, we the floor work had shit to do with the pole. Okay, floor work was very much what you see in a strip club. So. For me, there are just better ways for my child to be involved in dance and for them, for me to 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 build up that interest. If you got an interest in dance and that's something that you want to do, there are other ways for us to do this that don't include a pole. And I would prefer yeah, I mean, you do those things. That's fine. But if you look at a lot of the movements that a child will make on a pole, children do that in gymnastics. Minus the children pole. bending over and grabbing their legs, children pulling one leg all the way up in the air, holding it all the way up. If I just don't know how we add a piece of metal coming out of the ground, and now all of those things that they would be doing are automatically equated to a stripper. Because when you see people dancing around a pole, not sliding down a pole in the fire station, it is usually strippers. And so to say that you don't understand why it would be synonymous with that. I don't understand. Like, let, I don't, say, I don't let, get, say, <laughs> let me say I do understand. But I promise you, if you do see a kid on a stripper pole and your mind goes to sexualizing that kid, you got a problem. You got a problem. You got a problem. Like, ain't nothing a kid can do that's going to make me feel like what they're doing is sexual. What do you mean? You, you've never worked with kids that have overly sexual behaviors. There's absolutely things. What, what I'm saying, if it's not intended to be sexual. If it's not intended to be sexual. We still teach our kids to be very careful about what they do because of the perception. I feel like this is one of those situations in where you would be teaching your kid because of the perception. This is not the only situation or the only example of you being mindful of things because of the perception that that could give off and how that perception could lead to your kid having some, some bullshit happen. Well, either way, let me, I'm going to finish giving my, because we got into the debate. My perspective is that on, under my umbrella, what starts at the top of that umbrella is my kids and the women I'm in my life having full body autonomy and being able to make the decisions that they want to make. Okay. If it is a safe environment and if I can monitor that environment and if whatever they're doing in that class doesn't seem like it's similar to what strippers do, if it's not sexual and something that kids can participate in without that sexualization of it, I'd much rather my child grow up, doing pole and when she get 18 not look at pole as everybody else look at it and look at it in the way that she looks at it which is she hadn't been doing it sexualized for all this time so what she recognized it to not be sexualized for her and from her vantage point and i guess if anybody out there from the rest of the world want to look at it and sexualize it that's their business 
but everybody don't sexualize it. We're essentially telling kids that they should all look at these things as sexual because there is a component of the world that exists that is that is over-sexualizing this thing that don't have to be perceived in that way. Again, do whatever you want to when you're 18, 19. I can't stop. That, that would be more appropriate to me. Same way that I don't believe in kids getting tattoos. Parents that sign for their kid to get a tattoo, I think it's crazy. I think that there are certain things that they need to wait and if you decide that you want to do it on your own that's cool but as your parent i'm not going there's just certain shit that i'm gonna be like no there are other ways there are other things you want to be you want to be uh show your individuality i'll let you dye your hair blue okay we'll dye your hair blue but you're not gonna get a permanent tattoo on your body there's just things that i don't think are appropriate for certain age groups and pole dancing is one of those things. Like I said, if my kid had an interest in dance, I'm not gonna tell them that they can't dance. I'm not. I'm going to introduce them to other options. But, and let me just say this. Uh, this is another part of my dialogue. Pole ain't the only place that we do this. We also do this with how daughters interact with fathers. There is a certain point in your life, uh, Leroy Ketchum, where there's people gonna look at you if your daughter sit in your lap and look at it as inappropriate. Because they, in their mind, have sexualized the potential of a girl sitting in a man's lap. I don't know that that's a fair one, though. Because no, no, that's absolutely a fair you one. You have to, but, okay, so, but if you just, because you don't think that it's a, it's a sexualized behavior, just allow your kid to be sitting on laps, when the person that they sitting on think is sexual, like, that ain't the same thing. I can't, I cannot go through the world simply because I don't believe something is something and allow my child to be involved or around people who don't believe that thing that I believe. I think the reason why daughter and father relationships, people look at it and they kind of worry about it is because of all of the incest that happens that we see or how all of these kids grow up who dad had been fucking with them and them sitting on their lap was not an innocent but baby. Should, but should a daddy who ain't, it ain't finna have an incestuous relationship and don't look at their daughter like how that. How do you tell the difference? He, how are you going to know that? Because we I, never know. To, look, we, you're only, you're asking that question from the outside looking in. I'm talking about that daddy. Should that daddy be telling that girl you can't sit in daddy lap because people outside think that this might be sexualized? They're not going to tell him. He just will not encourage her to sit on his lap. It ain't a conversation that has to be had. But what I'm saying is that there are with this particular thing, people are this way, not even necessarily because we're the world is sexualizing it. When you have a, all of these people who've been abused by family members, it make people want to be a little bit careful. And then if you have a mother or somebody in that family who was molested themselves, they're going to be a lot more worried about who their kid is around and what because of what they've seen that could turn into. And you don't know. That's the unfortunate thing. You can't look at somebody and say, oh, he is a pedophile. He is going to touch his kid. You don't know. You never know till after it happens for the most part. So for me, that's a whole different thing because I would be, I wouldn't tell my husband, I, we, I wouldn't be like, you know, you don't need to do this and that, but I, I'd pay attention to those things because I've been I'm a, 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 a victim of that. So I know in my mind, everybody don't think of stuff as being innocent. And I'm not going to walk around because I think things aren't sexual and not pay attention or not be worried just in case. Because you don't know. But, but, if you, there was but, a light but, above you, your... but you even said that you wouldn't tell them not to do these things, but you keep an eye on it. The same way I'm saying that if my child was in a poll class and it turned sexual or was sexual, then it would become a problem. 
I'm saying it's not an issue until it's an issue. But we created an issue around this poll before we even know what that thing looks like before we even give any eyes on it. Just like some people, regardless of what the intent of that man could possibly be, or if we know, if we could look into a crystal ball and see that that man never did anything with their kid, there are some people that don't give that father a chance because their own personal bias about that thing has impacted what they think about it. So what happens if you give him a chance and he is one of the ones that molest? How you, the guilt that you would have, like I <laughs> well if a man is gonna molest the kid him sitting on their lap ain't the indicator that tells you that he gonna do it it's a whole bunch of men that molest kids that they kids ain't sitting on their lap and they doing it but but my point is that because you don't know it's not like the Sims the Sims they have them little plumb bobs above their head it's not like his, his plumb bob gonna be a specific color if he's a pedophile because of that you just have to be more careful you can't and so behaviors as the as the kid gets older people pay attention to it and they may not want you to do it or they, it may be uncomfortable for them because of what it could possibly be and the thing is you don't know of course ain't nobody gonna say i'm sitting her on my lap because i like her sitting in, uh, close to my dick they're not gonna say that they're not gonna say that you would never know if you're waiting on there being some kind of something that lets you know you just you're yeah. careful well how do we address how do we address the men you know the many women who have abused children but we are perfectly fine with the kids sitting in the woman's lap see we i think that's weird too but what why why kids, what the fuck are you sitting in her lap for sit down the beside what like why that you really you have a problem with a, a child sitting in a parent lap across any age, generally speaking. Not across any age, but a, a older child sit what for why why are they sitting in lap? I'm talking about. I mean, I'm not when you're talking about like older older child. I'm talking about. about the, I mean, even the appropriate ages where you would say that's normal for a child to be sitting in a lap. Some people look at that and say that's just wrong. That child shouldn't be sitting in that daddy lap, but they can always sit in mama lap. I usually, when I see people saying that dad shouldn't be giving them baths or dad shouldn't be, they shouldn't be sitting in their lap. Usually I, it's been an older kid, like school age kid. Not like, cause a baby, a toddler, you hold your baby in your toddler. That's what you do. School age children, it's a little bit different because it's like, why? For what? So I don't, I don't, when I, when I say that I monitor or I start looking at stuff, it's when the kid gets older. It's not necessarily and people do molest toddlers well that i mean I, it, it, it's just like when you at a family reunion or something and the daddy sitting in a chair and the son come up and just lean lean between the legs or daddy lean between like it's a lot of what i'm saying it's a lot of moments out here where a lot of people look at things that are not sexual as sexual but I don't, and and i mean i understand the argument of saying that it well it may happen well and it's but that indicts everybody it does but if you you you've worked with victims of molestation and you know like to tell them that it's not a sexual thing when they were victimized and it, it, it became a sexual thing they're going to be more careful and they are going to look at it different and i don't think they're wrong for that i don't think that has anything to do with the world becoming more sexualized i think that that's a trauma and i think that it's such a widespread trauma between men and women because there are a lot of boys that get molested as well that look at just touching in a different way I think that that makes sense. That makes sense that you would be more careful because you've seen what happens. And especially for those who the parents never even knew about it. You know how many kids have 
molestation histories that the family don't even know they just didn't live with that shit yeah they're gonna look at situations as sexual but it isn't because we're over sexualizing stuff a lot of this has to do and it's so much in our community of 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 families where incest and all of these things happen and we don't talk about it we sweep it under the rug we just say he in there with sam don't let them be in there with sam we don't say nothing to sam right we ain't gonna fuck up that but we know sam we know sam done done some bullshit and so you keep them away from Sam. But what I'm saying is we're talking about keeping all kids away from all men in that way. That's what I'm saying. Like that that becomes an irrational part of certain people's minds. You only know Sam because Sam then got caught. But I mean it doesn't mean you don't well, want to you making this you're you're making it sound like there's a very high likeliness that most men are going to abuse a it's child. It's not a high likeliness, but it's like if you if it if you have if I come in here and there's 50 people in the room and you tell me two of them 50 are thieves and they'll 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 steal out your pockets. I don't know which two of them 50 are and here I'm so I'm going to treat all 50 the same because I know two of them might steal from me and i can't give all of them the benefit of a doubt because i'm gonna be broke when i walk out of here if i know that there's a possibility of those two i can't look at them and see who the two are i just know it's 50 niggas in here and out of them 50 somebody might tap my pockets so unfortunately what that means is that every all 50 of them people i'm watching (laughs) y'all i don't know which one of y'all are the thieves well what i'll say is in my household one day if i have a daughter and I know that I'm not a predator and I don't want my child to believe that the actions I'm taking and the things that I'm not doing that her mama may be doing because I think that the world may perceive me as a predator. I'm, I don't plan on having them conversations. I'm not one of those people and I'm not going to do it. The world just going to have to accept that. They're going to have to just look at me like that if I do anything that they're uncomfortable with in that regard. What if you're with somebody that has a molestation history and she tells you that she's uncomfortable with it just because of what it means for her specifically you're still gonna feel that way because you're not a predator you're not gonna if if somebody if somebody who sees me interacting with my daughter in a way that no if if your wife who who had the daughter with you has a molestation history and there's certain things that her seeing you do with the daughter makes her uncomfortable would you have that same opinion we're gonna have a conversation about it because i want to know what that means I want to know if that means that those things are triggering for her, mm-hmm. which if they're triggering for her, then I will absolutely accommodate what she needs me to accommodate. But if she think I might do something crazy to our daughter, well, then hell, fuck no. I'm not accommodating shit. I hope she would have a kid with you if she thought you was a pedophile. Well, but that that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. What about the woman who don't have that trauma? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that I have to talk to my child about and limit her or because our society looks at certain things in certain ways. You know what I'm saying? And I know that I know this is a this is a hard conversation. This is the argument I had about the um dressing how you want to dress. This is the same argument that we had about that when I said that it I should I should be able to walk out here naked and not be raped, not be attacked, not have nothing. It shouldn't matter. The first question motherfuckers ask when you get raped should not be, "Well, where were you at? Why were you over there so late? What did you have on?" Unfortunately, because I know that that's the way that I said it does influence how I dress. I should be able to dress how I want to dress. It shouldn't matter. But I live in the world that we have and I try to build the world the way I want. But right now, I know if I go out here in a little skirt and a little mini little top and something happened, I'm going to be victimized and blamed for that shit. But I'm talking about like 
what I'm talking about is very isolated instances that have a high supervision content content. If my child is hanging out with me and on the couch laying on me or something like that, then that's between me and my family. If a child is in a pole class or a rock climbing class or whatever kind of class that I put them in, that's just the, the other people in the class, the trainer and me and her mama. That's what it is. We're not talking about having this a kid out on a pole in the middle of the damn park. You know what I'm saying? We're not. We're talking about conversations that I have to have with my kids about what our society is before it's time to have that conversation. I, if my child, if my child have a friend who's doing pole classes, am I supposed to say no? You can't do that. That's for strippers at seven and eight and nine. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to condition my child the same way that the world is conditioned. If my child at 18, well, even if she not. So what happens when, if, if kids at school start calling listen, her stripper? Even if, even if my kid, even if we go into a store and it's a pole in there and it don't got, I mean, maybe it's a pole that's marketed for strippers. Maybe it's a firehouse or something like that. I'm going to tell my child, well, firemen slide down that sometime. People use that for fitness. Some people do, you know, competition with pole. I'm not going to add stripper into that. But there's I'm, other things in other contexts I can communicate with my kid about that thing. So what happens when all of the other kids at school whose parents aren't you start calling her a stripper and she come home upset about it? How do they know about it? Cause she's a kid. Why would she not talk about it? Cause you're gonna make it seem you you pulled. There's nothing wrong with it. So why wouldn't she talk to her friends about it? Because you're gonna make it into something that's okay. It's an exercise. So it's not gonna be something she's not gonna talk about. No, it's gonna be a conversation to have. It's gonna be a conversation about yeah. There are some things that people do on those poles that are inappropriate. And if you don't want to continue doing it because of how your peers have treated you, then that's fine. But it's your decision. You know, and that's going to be, that isn't such thing as age appropriate decisions. But to me, like I said, body autonomy and making decisions that are, are safe to make are okay with me. And to me, a child taking a pole class is a safe decision to make if she had the appropriate supervision. And if the people that are training her are training her in a non-sexual way to do things on pole that just build her core, that's for fitness. And that's something that she's interested in. That is a safe decision for a child to make if they want to make it. Just like it'll be a safe gymnast. I mean, hell, we had these gymnastics girl out here getting uh, molested by this doctor. Yes. And we we just, we automatically look at uh, gymnastics as safe, especially in the context of this conversation. No, they shouldn't do pole. There's so many other things they can do. Like, if somebody wants to sexualize your child, they're going to sexualize your child no matter what you're doing. But that don't mean that just because of that, you, you don't take into account that there may be things that they may get sexualized for more and less. That You don't have to put everything in one box and say, well, it don't matter because if they're going to look at them sexual, they're going to look at them sexual anyway. There's still things that you can do as a parent to try to lower the <laughs> potential like I don't think you just throw everything out the window I understand and, and my argument for when we was having that conversation about dressing a certain type of way is that sometimes we have to uh, we got to live in the world that we have and not in the world that we that's want that's exactly what you told me but where do we bridge the gap between the world that we have and the world that we want I, don't know. I mean we're in a time right now where body positivity and women building their self-esteem and body autonomy and all of that stuff is at an all-time high it is. for women. I'm just not, I don't care about participating in a dialogue that restricts that and says that because 
your body is the way it is. And because people out there look at your body for whatever you do on this pole. So have you changed your mind about the dressing then? Can your kid just wear whatever she want to wear, no matter how sexualized it may be? Because it's not her body shouldn't be something that's just sexualized. Have you changed your mind? Because you you are on the opposite end of this argument about the clothing and dressing a certain way. But you on this side about the pole dancing, which they're both the same thing. When we had that conversation about being dressed a certain way and people looking at you and treating you a certain way, you were on the opposite end of that. I can't remember how I had that dialogue, but if I was on the opposite end, body autonomy, making your own decisions. There are clearly age-appropriate ways to dress, okay? So even if that's just from social norms, I'm not going to send my child out there wearing something that will cause her some problems, you know? But at the age that she wants to make the decisions of what she want to wear and me and her mama consider those decisions safe, she make the decision and she get the backlash from whatever that decision was. If she want to wear a tutu to school every day up to high school and the kids start laughing at her ass, that's her decision. She'll learn from it and she'll go from there. So for me, body autonomy, uh, making your own decisions, is, 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 is just my umbrella. You know what I'm saying? So I just, and I'm not acting like this is, I'm not acting like these would be easy decisions. I'm just saying that I ain't trying to be continue to be conditioned to look at things the way everybody else look at them, especially when it comes to poll. And like I said, we're talking about something in an isolated environment that can be supervised and monitored. That's also different than what you wear out in public. We're talking about what if, do you mean? You if do we're talking about me having a poll class for my eight year old, once class is over and we go home, there is no poll. That is that's it. It was the class. She it go was, to school. She come home. But she go home. She go to school and she talk about it. But ain't no pole at no, school. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the pole. I'm saying she whatever the, your kid wear, they wear it while they out, and then they come back home. It's the same thing. No. She. The difference is that the pole that she dances on is an isolated environment where nobody sees it. What she wears is in an environment where she goes out and everybody sees it. Those are two different contexts. But if people know about it and still are calling her a stripper without having ever seen her on the pole, how is that any different? Like I said, if she go to school and she's like, I'm taking pole dancing classes. And the other kids whose parent would never let them do that. Like, my mama says strippers do that. I, I need to point out pole dancing classes and pole classes are two different things. The class for the kids said pole classes. Pole dancing is a very specific thing. So the pole for kids is pole classes. It's never marketed as pole dancing. That's just for semantics. <laughs> that seemed like semantic. The way that little girl was dressed and on the pole seemed like a pole dancing class to me. <laughs> it seemed like semantics. Like I said, for me, it depends on what the kid is doing. I'm just not, I mean, I understand that. I understand what poles are and what strippers do with poles. I understand that. But there are things that can be done with poles that is not sexualized. A lot of different things. Mm -hmm. I mean, so we can continue down the path. And like, I mean, pole has come a long way to being rebranded by how many things go on with it now. Put pole classes in. You're going to find less erotic stuff than fitness related stuff. Here in America? Yes. Here in America. I'm serious. All right. Like. It's being rebranded. Now, I can't say how that marketing campaign is going, 
But like I said, I know a lot of motherfuckers ain't gonna agree with me on this part of the dialogue, <laughs> but I just don't like that our women especially are restricted from doing so much just because of how the perception I guess perception being lies. a woman and again having to be always cognizant of what I wear it just ain't that big of it like at this point and again even with the me too movement and all of this shit there I, there is still a very good chance that if I'm dressed a certain way and I go out and something happens to me I am going to be victim shamed 100% so because of that kind of shit I dress a certain way just because that's what I have to do. Would I would I prefer it be where we could dress the way that we want to? Hundred percent. That ain't the world though. And that and, and that's your decision. But the world that we got now is different from it was in the seventies, different from it was yes. in the eighties. And now they out here having slut walks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's a horrible name for it. But it they're is. out here dressed the way that they fucking want to do, and they go through that whole event, and ain't nobody been raped. You know what I'm saying? And, and we just got a changing world. That's not. I like. Listen, I just like to believe. I like to believe by the time that my children are old enough to have these conversations, that we done got further with this shit. That's what I like to believe. All right. What was his next thing? That's what I like to believe. The next email. No. Or the next question in the same. Yeah, I was like, it was the same email. Also, this MM Horror House can kiss my ass two times because <laughs> that waiver got me fucked all the way up. I don't do haunted houses for real unless peer pressure is so real that I can't help it. I'll be damned if I'm the only one who look like a bitch. <laughs> only two reasons that matter is that I don't want a heart attack, nor do I want an assault charge because if I get grabbed wrong, uh, the wrong way, I'm whooping somebody's ass and please believe these hands rated E for everybody. I hate him. That's, hell, that's why I didn't go with y'all Saturday. <laughs> that's all for this one. I apologize in advance for the audio quality. I had to use my phone and not an actual mic for these, but we'll do that upon specific requests. Because I oh. love to be as extra as I can sometimes. Peace out, nigga. I mean, Knuckles. Leroy T. Ketchum. He did the Bane voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You ain't have to tell them because all you gotta do is put it right there. When you edit it. Put what? The bang clip. Oh yeah. He does a good bang. This is Nerd Plate Podcast, Leroy Ketchum. Email number two. Email number two and stuff I want to happen. Con artist, hello from the humblest of gentlemen is the luxurious light skin himself, uh -huh. Leroy T. Ketchum from the Nerd Play Podcast. I'm here to tell you that this podcast is a wonderful addition to my Tuesday mornings. Thanks to both of you for providing insights into fuckery and meat-based motivations. Here are some things I want you all to do for me to entertain and both inform. One, bring back poetry. Y'all shit was fire like real talk had a nigga in his car feeling like I go to really exclusive jabs clubs populated by white dudes with scars who look like Bobby Caldwell and black dudes who have dreads who look down on you if you say Coltrane is your favorite jazz musician. And you know this place exclusive because they only serve four things but pay you pay out the ass you paying for the experience and the atmosphere. <laughs> Knowing full down well they got most of this shit from Piggly Wiggly and served it on regular ass Corel plates. I hate him. Two, so Mr. On Point, there needs to be a meat positivity lesson every week. Red, you'll be all right, hell. Thank you, On Point. I've never had a movement I can get behind. Men should be damn proud of them. They meet no matter the size. <sighs> on Point, hit that bitch on the head. If you got a little fella, if you got a goddamn baseball bat down there, you still got to put in nine to five on your lady. One of my favorite songs by Tech Nine is called Overtime, and I think you know what it's about. 
Pastor Wilson is not the example because he was unfaithful and everything, but he was putting in work regardless. Three, y'all should talk about politics or at least politics some. Ignorant and lazy people much like myself have no interest in politics except when they're trying to oppress me and my folk. For example, I don't watch the debates and such, but when you guys talk about policy and candidates and such, I feel a little enlightened. Yes, I know that as a black dude, I should do my research. Four, thank you, Mr. On Point, for describing and explaining memes. <laughs> Included as the previous, here's another one of my favorite Bane quotes. Apologize for the quality. Thank you. Lee Rizzle T. Ketchizzle of the Nerd Pizzle. I fucking hate him so much. Um... How you went through all of what was the first? I don't. That's what I was like. I mean, it wasn't. It was a poetry request. Poetry request. Um, I I still have a shit ton of poetry. I just I don't know. It just seemed like like maybe we could do it like once a month or so. Like I don't know. Maybe maybe something like that. I don't it, know. You know, it, it kind of feel like we was just bombarding y'all with poetry. Yeah, you know it, what I'm saying? It seemed like it was too uh, much. So. Of the of the roughly 200 people that listen, we only got like two or three people that said the poetry was cool. Yeah. You know, so I don't we, we just don't want to feel like we bombarding y'all with some shit that just ain't ain't really pleasant. But like every third t- Tuesday or some we'll shit. We'll figure it out be... because you know we ain't good with schedules. We're really not. At all. So <laughs> We got to get some fucking organization before that shit happens. <laughs> um, meat positivity. Oh, now, let me God. remind everybody what meat positivity is about, okay? If you're a new listener uh, or you missed the episodes, meat positivity is about men valuing themselves as much as they value their meat. Because it's not about my meat. It's about me. It's not about meat it's about me. Now, women, this is something you should be able to get behind because what y'all run into is men who value their meat over themselves, okay? They think that because they have a package that you're okay with because it feels good, give you the old face, you like it, they think that's enough. They don't have to put in work on themselves, on building up their uh, relationship with you, on building up their personality, because as soon as that meat stop working, you need some, brother. Okay? So meat positivity is about looking at ourselves as a whole and not just depending on our meat. Because another part of this conversation is that a lot of men's self-esteem is found in what they believe their meat should be. Every man's meat is not there, okay? It's just not. But that doesn't have to define you. You can still please a woman. But you can't please a woman as efficiently as she can be pleased if you ain't worked on yourself before you figure out what to do with your meat. That's meat positivity. That is a movement, Red, that you should be able to be behind 100%. I have nothing to say. I feel like you're too stubborn to be behind it at this point because you've talked so much shit about it over the course of time that you just can't get behind it because you're just a person that don't like hearing meat. I think that's what it is. I have nothing to add to that. I know point. you well enough to know that you understand that this shit makes sense, that it's reasonable, it's rational. You might not like the language behind it, but meat positivity is here to stay red. What was his next point? Politics. I got some more meat positive message later in the, in the podcast. Um, politics. I never have anything because I'm Leroy, you and I are on the same page. So when the politics conversations happen, it's pretty much on point happening. With well, itself. let me throw, well, let me go on ahead and throw out some politics. All right. Let me educate some people. Uh, as of today, maybe yesterday, 
Elizabeth Warren has rolled out her Medicaid for all plan, which she been on board with Bernie Sanders for Medicaid for all this whole time. But her plan that she just rolled out funds it differently. So now there's going to be some debate as to the best way to fund it. You know, the thing about these politicians, these candidates right now is that they have to do something to stand out. You can't forever just say, yeah, I agree with this candidate on this thing. I agree with that candidate on this thing without making yourself stand out from that thing. Right. Uh, another thing where well, I'll talk about this one later. We're just going to politics later. But um, but let's talk about the overarching view of these plans. OK, so. We have what we have right now, which is the private market where insurance is handled exclusively by the private market. What the Affordable Care Act was supposed to take care of is insurance panels who don't want to pay for expensive surgeries and expensive procedures for people. And so they just kick their ass off of insurance and say, okay, uh, you got a pre-existing condition. We're not going to, to do that. When the government found out that shit was happening, Obama came out with the Affordable Care Act. Not only are we going to make it affordable, but we're going to hold these doctors accountable for providing you services for shit that you weren't going to be provided. Now, the problem with this is that a lot of people have insurance and say, but I want to keep my doctor. The reality is a lot of motherfuckers got insurance that they don't know is horrible because they ain't had to use it for no major shit. They've only had to use it for like... um. What is it when you take care of yourself beforehand? Oh, um, preventative. Preventative measures. Yeah. And like little shit. Like, okay, broke my arm. Got a, like a small deductible. You know, it's going to get fixed. I love my doctor. I love my insurance. But what the Affordable Care Act found was that people who really needed it was getting kicked off. And when the Affordable Act, Care Act came out, people got a whole bunch of stories of how this loved one would have died without it. You know what I'm saying? So... That's what that market did. However, the private market still had too big of a hand on it. And instead of Republicans saying, we need to look at health care, they said uh, the private insurance went to them and said, we're going we gonna to stop this. So the other two options that the candidates are throwing out right now is a public option, meaning that private insurance still exists, but there is a government option that exists alongside that where people who can't afford private insurance can get that too. That way, everybody who like private insurance and who like their private insurance can keep it, but the government is going to have theirs. Uh, the other one is Medicare for All, where the government pretty much runs all health care. I don't know where private insurance people fit in that paradigm, but both of those systems have really, really big problems that nobody have really defined how we figure these problems out. So you informing yourself on the healthcare debate is going to be real healthy to know what's realistic about what your insurance is going to look like. Because I just, I just feel like everybody who listens to this show insurance is probably shit. Unless you live in Britain or Mozambique. <laughs> I don't even know what Mozambique insurance is like. I feel like you take a basket of fruit to a motherfucking. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just went back to an old ass version of Africa. Like I went back to like some coming to America type shit <laughs> in my head. So sorry about that. Mozambicans, if you're listening, oh, if that's Jesus. even how you say it. But the problem that do, these two paradigms have is that the public option, what's going to happen with the public option is that private insurance don't like serving certain types of people. They definitely don't like serving old people. 
because old people have a lot of problems. They definitely don't like to serve people who have long-term chronic illnesses. So what the private market is going to do is find a way to pawn off all of the people that they don't want to pay for their insurance off to the public option. So they're going to find a way to make, they're going to like, what they probably do is they'll put age caps on seniors and they'll, and that's going to send all the seniors into the public option. So what's going to happen is insurance company is going to get a really, really big boost because now they don't have to pay for these expensive ass procedures and the public option ain't going to be able to pay for all of those old people and people with chronic illnesses because it's just going to be too expensive for the government to pay for. That's the issue with the public option. The issue with Medicare for all is that there is no form of cost control. Uh, they haven't talked about cost control. So if, if my toe hurt and I got insurance that I can go to the doctor and not pay a copay, then what's going to stop me from going to the doctor when my toe hurt? Because when my, my toe, hurt, toe hurt now with my insurance that I got, I ain't, I'm just going to deal with it until it get fucked up because my deductible too high now. So if you have an option where the government pay for everything, how are you going to control costs when everybody now can just go to the doctors whenever they get ready? There is some shit that home remedies can fix. What did Canada do? Uh, Canada. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I, I mean, Canada, Canada got a Med Medicare for all system, but a big part of that system is cost control. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. How do they manage cost control? Well, they they they've they've decided that the shit costs what it costs. It don't cost two thousand dollars to fix a broke arm. It yeah. costs one hundred and fifty dollars maybe mm -hmm. to fix a broken arm. In America, we've convinced ourselves that it do. Like I think I told you, uh, one a client that I had before. Uh, he told me that he got his medication from Canada because mm -hmm. if you get a prescription to a, 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 a psychotropic medication, you can send that to Canada and Canada can send it to you. He got 90 days worth of medication for $60 that would have costed him 700 over here for a 30 day. So they've decided that their hospitals ain't going to charge you $150 for aspirin when you're in the hospital. So why is that not something we could do? Because our insurance companies and the people who control costs have gotten so intertwined in how much they can make and profit off of people's sickness that you've got to fight the Republicans and pro-business advocates too. And that's the problem. Republicans build a platform and get a lot of money based off of how much all of these different industries give them. Not only that, but since there is no like congressional retirement package that's worth a damn, they can go get them a $250,000 job at one of these corporations sitting on a board after they leave office, if they hold favors for all of these people. So our system with the politicians is so the money and all of the shit they can do after, like that, a shit would change if there was a, a law that you can't, you can't profit off of any work you've done with any lobbying person that you work with or, or uh, advocated for legislation for. That shit would change. You know, but Canada don't have such a pro-business model that they couldn't change all of that stuff to the benefit of all the people. But the Medicare for All, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren haven't identified how cost is going to be controlled. So they're... I mean, they got their goods, they got their negatives. It's going to be interesting to see how they roll this shit out moving forward. So that's my political piece for today.
Next Leroy Ketchum email. <laughs> email number three. It's long as shit, too. Mm-hmm. What's that? Like the Bud Light commercial from years ago. The one they did in the scary movie. LOL. Yeah, that one. This email is completely dedicated to Miss Red Velvet. Now, you may see this as a surprise, but I do actually agree with you on the neighbor thing. I think so, at least if I remember correctly. I know my neighbor first name, and that's really about it. I don't really want my welfare check come uh, to come from the police. Where I live is too nice for what my black ass likes to do. <laughs> if the police come to my door, I'm calling down my list of people that I usually call when shit about to go down. I refuse to get killed in my house and not, and at least not by the damn police. I think you should have definitely done some fucker fuckery on the way out of your job congratulations by the way <laughs> especially if you already got a job and they cleared your background check and such like there is no reason that your old job can do anything to fuck up your new job i'm at, i'm at least rearranging my office upside down or some shit my office when i got a new job had a breakfast for me and apparently was talking all the kids was talking all kinds of shit before because i showed up late one it was four other women three of them were white and 40 and older the other was black she cool Two, when I got there, they handed me a car and they forged the black lady signature because they didn't want her to know about and she found out. But on my last day, my boss asked if I was going to miss them and I flat out said no. <laughs> Finally, I believe that you need to get on board with the meat positivity oh, train because think about it from a female standpoint, you can give the best advice because you're a woman. That's like Gordon Ramsay telling me how to make a meal with excruciating detail. You can single-handedly help fix these niggas in their game. Like I always say, when doing the no-pants dance, if somebody ain't getting hurt, your step is weak. Uh, as always, thanks for letting me take over while I assume now is a good hour into your show. <laughs> On the fucking dot, bruh. <laughs> On the fucking dot. <laughs> you know us too well, my guy. <laughs> Please come to the nerd plate sometimes. Let's mix it up. Also, I realized I sent the same audio clip twice, so here you go again. Sorry for the audio. With love, Leroy. Smiley face. <sighs> Leroy is. Um, yeah, the neighbor thing, I'm not going to check on my neighbor. You can call me a bad neighbor if you want to. Because if, if some shit is going down, I can't do shit about it. We not fu- We both fucked up. What good is that going to do? But and, now, and I think it depends on what kind of neighborhood you live in, too. Even if it... Because why you said it? I mean... I mean, if you live in Inslee and there's crack houses around you, <laughs> I mean, clearly. <laughs> but shit, even I feel like if I lived in Mountain Brook and I went over to my neighbor's house, I still am liable to get shot by the goddamn neighbor. Who is this black girl coming over here? Like, I just. I mean, if you they neighbor, they at least know you live next door to them. I mean, they're going to see your red hair and be like, what this bitch want? <laughs> they ain't going to just shoot you right away. They might drop the N word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what this nigger want? Hard ER. You know what I'm saying? They might do that. But I don't, I don't know. know. I just ain't. I, I gotta. Know, I feel like there's a level of respect I have to have from you, a level of knowledge I have to have for you, and I feel like I should have invited you to one of my little gatherings at some point, and I should have been by your house at some point for that. You know what I'm saying? For you I, to go over. Yeah, because like I, I'm thinking about my neighborhood when I grew up. Um, my homeboy Leon lived down the street. Jamal lived across the street. And I like to believe that, like, if I came outside and some shit looked funky as hell at Jamal's house, I feel I want to feel like I'll go figure out what to try to figure Jamal out what the fuck's going friend, on. your friend, though. But that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I'm <laughs> telling you. My neighbor need to be a certain level of I fuck with you before I make these kind of decisions. If it's a friend, like, if I live next door to you, I, I would be more likely to come check on you. <laughs> 
Well, you could just call me. Or I could just call. Yeah, like I could, could just call if you. I, like, if, if, we ain't, like, if we ain't on call you level, <laughs> I ain't coming to check on you. Like if I got your phone number, you, you know what I'm saying? Call. Yeah, I'll true. call you. And if you don't answer and some shit look weird, maybe I'll come over. And you know what? If somebody helping you move and they black, or they got hoodies on and they not black, but they just look like some shady motherfuckers, <laughs> you need to let me know that you moving because... Yeah, I don't. I don't know the difference between somebody stealing your shit and somebody helping you move. <laughs> like I feel like if you're a good ass thief, if you stealing shit out of somebody's house, you should just wait to the neighbor and say, "Hey, helping her move," <laughs> and just keep taking the shit into the wherever you're taking it to. You know what I'm saying? Oh shit! You I just... feel like a good thief would be charismatic enough for a neighbor to believe him. Cause I, cause I promise you, I'd be like, "Oh shit, they moving," and then I just go on back in the house. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's what would happen. You gave somebody a good idea. Uh, <laughs> so I did get a new job. I'm not, I'm no longer with my old employer. I still I'm still doing mental health. Um, it's not individual therapy, uh, but it is working with actually more severely mentally ill people than in my previous position. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so my last day was actually the annual our annual meeting which was held in Montgomery, Alabama. And I got my five-year plaque because I, I, February was like five years that I've been at, in that job. And so ironically, I just ended up getting the plaque on the last day. Um, did you watch, have you, so you still have watched the video of my supervisor? Nope. So my supervisor was the one that had to give me the plaque. Um, and all week long, my other co because my supervisor was crazy. I hadn't really talked about her a lot, but the bitch is crazy. Um, all my other co-workers were like, she's going to make a big deal. She's going to get up there and be dramatic because my supervisor was crazy. Okay, she's, she was a bit histrionic. If you don't know what that is, look it up. <laughs> she has histrionic personality disorder as diagnosed by me. So just keep that in mind. But the bitch is crazy. Is, is what you should take from that. So everybody was thought she was going to get up there and do this big thing. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but she did get up there. She she can't ever just let stuff be what it is. She just got to go above and beyond. So I worked a lot with adolescents. Okay. Everybody in the office knew that that was, that was kind of my jam. That was, that was what, where I did probably my best work was working with, with teenagers. or just was something that came natural to me. That's fine. And so her mentioning it in the speech, that's fine. I went to a high school and did a conflict resolution class. Okay. And she came on the last day of the class. And, you know, the kids were like, Miss Jen, Miss Red, we're going to miss you. Like, blah, blah, blah. They were doing that. This bitch got up there and was like, and, you know, I, I had an opportunity to go to the, to the graduation. And, when you know, there were just tears in those kids eyes because she had just touched their life so much and i'm just sitting there like what why why is it why was it it enough for you to just say i did good work in the community with kids like she always gotta go above and beyond and shit and so at first i'm not a hugger anybody that knows me it personally knows i'm not a big hugger i'm just not it's not something that i do now leroy don't give a fuck and Leroy hugs me. actually the whole our whole little group of friends everybody hugs me and i'm i mean it's fine i've gotten used to it it's fine i don't care um at this point 
because now um uh, shogun dapped me up one day and that shit was weird <laughs> so if i gotta choose between being dapped up and hugged i would prefer to be hugged the dap was weird <laughs> and i didn't even know what to do because i wasn't expecting him to try to dap me up um but she just do too much she always got a line shit but she hugged me and at first I figured she was going to do that. I said I wasn't going to hug her at all. But then I was like, let me not. I ain't trying to put no bad karma. I want my new position to be good. Let me not put no bad karma into the air. So I hugged her. Well, I put the video in the group because my coworkers are assholes. And they recorded it and sent it to me to be funny. And I put it in a group. And um, oh, Rockman3k3 was like, that was the driest hug <laughs> So I didn't want to fucking hug her at all okay and then she came at the end to hug me again talking about how much she gonna miss me first of all I know that you don't like me and you know that I don't like you so I don't even know why we doing this fake shit for what you're not gonna miss me you're gonna miss the work that I do because in the interim you're gonna have to figure out what the fuck to do but as far as missing me specifically nah you're not we ain't, why are we doing this so Leroy, I would have loved to have done some fuck shit, but I, you know, I wanted to leave in a way that was professional and that where I, I'm a big believer in karma. Okay. hundred percent. I believe that what you put out, you get back. I think that what, what I always tell people about karma is karma ain't for you. You know what I'm saying? Like when somebody do something wrong to us, we want to see them get theirs. You know what I'm saying? The karma ain't for you. It's, it's for them. So the karma might come to them when you don't even know them anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like you might not even know about the bullshit that happened to them. Cause that karma's not for you. Um, so I didn't want no bad karma. I tried to leave on good terms. I think I did a very good job of that. Um, I'm glad I won't have to see the bitch again, to be honest. Um, I haven't really started. I, I, I did orientation at my new job. So I really can't say how I like it yet or not, because I haven't really been in doing what I'm actually going to be doing long term. But, um, yeah i i um i could have did some reckless shit you know what i'm saying i did not leave the letter that you told me to leave. that would have backfired <laughs> so what i told red to do is leave a letter in there to the new therapist that say to you yes you read this shit <laughs> and just talk shit about everybody and everything that was going on and tell them what to look out for and just make them ready but it would have backfired because have. they're hiring somebody that's actually used to work there yes. that actually know the supervisor and got a better relationship with her. Yes. So she would have just snitched on you yes. about that situation. It would have been, yeah. So I got to be better with my advice about how to <laughs> fuck people's life up. Now, I, I could have left a note because, you know, I was doing two jobs, which is part of the reason why I fucking left. The other job that I was doing, that person is going to be somebody new because ain't nobody going to come back to do that bullshit ass job so it will be a new person so i could have left that in their office but eh, don't care enough what was his last point was that the job oh um, meat positive well, i don't give a fuck about no damn meat positivity listen okay this is just like all the other shit that y'all talk about that i just sit through because i have to i'm gonna sit through it <laughs> but i'm not gonna contribute to it so it is what it is y'all can be meat positive every week that's fine i'm just gonna sit over here with a, a scowl on my face like I've been doing before. I don't want to help sure? you with positivity. Yes, I'm good. Y'all got sure? it. You don't need me. 
You know there's levels to uncomfortable that we can make you Let's about this shit. Let's not do right? that. I'm just saying. It's I unnecessary. Mean, I mean, a little bit of engagement might, you know, <sighs> might keep the damn shit from boiling over. I don't know. But you no engagement what? might might make it real uncomfortable for you, Red. Every night needs to be like the night we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. We all met at Buffalo Wild Wings because I had it, my supervisor had given me a gift card and I wanted to use it. Um, and because of the way, for whatever reason, I still don't understand why the fuck they couldn't just push them two tables together. I still don't get it because the tables moved. Because I was like, well, maybe these are some bolted down tables. And again, no. So, don't know what that was about. Anyhow, because there was such a large group of us, we ended up sitting at two tables. And for the first time since I started hanging out with these Negroes, there were enough women for me to sit at a table of women and not hear nothing about no goddamn meat. You understand how beautiful that was? I'm sure y'all was having all kind of meat-based conversations behind me. I didn't hear it, though. We were having intelligent, insightful conversations. We were talking about Leroy's baby that's it's gonna be here soon. It was a beautiful thing. We need to have more nights like that. Because when I'm the only chick out with y'all You don't like women no goddamn way. I didn't know this just happened to be an appropriate setup, so quit acting like you would rather spend time with a whole bunch of purse toting makeup talking (laughs) ass women versus us. Quit fucking pretending already. I do like women. I talk women for my cousin was there. With, you know, uh, that's your family, it okay? <laughs> and everybody else is connected to somebody. They connected to us. Yeah, you fuck with them because of us. <laughs> you, you, if that was the case, you have a whole group of women that you fuck with all the time. You don't. don't. You have yourself, your dogs, and fucking us, <laughs> and the women we connected to. So quit coming out here acting like. You ain't choose this damn life. <laughs> and you know what come with it, and you stayed here. Unless you sit here with battered, battered podcaster uh, co-host syndrome, <laughs> and you just can't get out of this toxic shit you in. I'm too stubborn for that. I would have left. I know you would have. That's how I know that you're okay with the setup. So don't do not do that. <sighs> don't do that, really. Who's our next letter from? It's Leroy. Leroy, a uh, whole goddamn got, hour. Yeah, he, he knew. Damn, Leroy. Um, we got we got email from Marlon. This is on SoundCloud. Okay. So and and he's been responding before too. So appreciate you for that, Marlon. Cool. This goes back to the episode uh, "Deliver Us" from Sally. <laughs> he said, "If you don't have kids, you don't know what it takes to emotionally support your kid, especially if you have the means to support it. Not to mention having older children to support as well. A good parent can be there for twenty children." <sighs> I, I, I really beg to differ. Um, I, and one thing that you said that I really, really don't fuck with in terms of what I've seen in the work I do is I don't like older children to be there to support younger children. Because it's not their job. Yeah, I don't support. Because parents, they lose an opportunity to be children in that regard. So I need a parent to be a parent without expecting their oldest ones to help with the youngest ones at least not to a reasonable degree i mean just watching the kids if you already gonna be at home and we're going out or something like that's one thing but i don't know there's all the a- kids taking picking up from practice and all of this and i just don't it's not their job that that's their sibling not their child it's your child and and even if you are a good parent for those 20 kids you can't work you can't have a career 
you've got to stay at home and take care of them kids or or and you're not gonna have enough money to take to pay for somebody to watch 20 kids well but his point is even if you if you can financially take care of them then it's fine but no because here's the thing so 20 what is the uh 19 kids account or 20 kids uh-huh. account whatever the fuck Dumb people got money the mormon people they have money they were had a show what i mean by you cannot emotionally support a large amount of kids is that let's say you you let's not do let's not even do 20 let's say you have six kids you have six kids who are in the age range enough where all six of them are in the house at the same time. Like you may have an oldest that might be like a sophomore, junior in high school, and then the youngest might be an itty bitty baby. You and your wife are not going to be able to be at everything that those kids are going to want you to be at. You're not going to be able to support them in the way that you would be able to support them if you had less kids. That's just what it is. That's not me saying that people who have a lot of kids are bad parents. They are not good they're not the the good that they could be. I'm going to say that because you don't have the time. You do not have the time. You all, it's only two of y'all. If everybody got something going on after school, you got to pick and choose. And yeah, you could try to keep it as even as possible, but these are kids and somebody's going to feel left out. Somebody's going to feel like you do more for him than you do for me. You go to all his games. You don't never come to my cheerleading practice. Even though, like you're going to have those mo- because it is only so many hours in a day. And so having that many kids in your household is, and I'm not saying it and I hate, and no, no diss to you, Marvin. But one thing that really just bites my ass is when people say, you don't have kids, so. I, ugh, as a therapist, that shit drives me crazy. Because it's not about, even if I had kids, it has nothing to do with what I would do with my children, right? That's not <laughs> what that's about. So me having or not having kids is irrelevant. Um, but I'm basing this off. The families that I've worked with, you know what I'm saying, and these aren't these ain't even families with money. These are usually people who definitely did not have the money to have the number of kids that they have. But you working, it's just not possible. It just isn't. As you can try as hard as you as you could, you know. Even Beyonce and Jay Z, there there are going to be times when they're not going to be able to do stuff. They got all the money in the world and they can afford to hire people, but they're not the parent. You know what I'm saying? That's like. Donald Trump was probably raised by a nanny. You see what the fuck he looked like. You know what I'm saying? Like with money, you can you can buy you can afford to have people to step in and help you out. They're not the parent though. And that has an impact. So that's what I mean. I still think it's irresponsible for you to have a whole bunch of kids, even if you have money, because emotionally it makes it difficult for you to be there. It just is what it is. That has nothing to do unless your money can give you thirty more hours in a day. And then let I mean let's not forget if you have if you have six kids, I mean you're likely gonna have one that you know need a lot of help, extra help than the other ones. Cause they you know, yeah, less smaller. So how are you gonna how are you gonna balance out the time with all your kids when one of them or maybe two of them clearly needs more input and more support? You know what if you have one that is much much more emotional than the other ones and it start looking unfair to the other ones that you're spending so much time with. So, I mean, when you're talking about emotionally providing for your kids, you're talking about with too many kids, there's going to be gaps between how frequent and how uh, present you can be with your kids when they need that attention and help. And even in the example he gave saying that the older kids can help out, 
how do you think that's gonna make the older kid feel you know what i'm saying like not only now are am i having less contact with my parent because now i'm older and i can do a lot more things on my own so they don't have to help me with stuff but also i'm getting all of these new responsibilities because of the younger kids so what kind of impact do you think that that works? because the thing is you're it, it's it's always assumed that it's fine it's my kid they his siblings so he should no he should do what brothers do for they they siblings he should not be doing the things a father does for his his son or a mother does for her children because that's not their kids so it's not even fair for you to even include them in who is going to be helping out with the kids they still kids they damn self like i hate when keep people when kids get parentified that's exactly what that is you're parentifying that child and giving them you know parent duties it's not fair to that kid kids should be kids uh Mar marlon left us a couple more okay. um from woman on fire um Oh yeah. As far as investing, it's not a program, just a fund, which is a mutual fund. But you have to make sure you reinvest the dividends to make sure the interest compounds. So appreciate that, okay. Marlon. Check out that mutual fund and see what you got to put in it to, you know, get that interest and compound it and make it turn into more. Uh, as far as the Lizzo song, it's 12 words. She probably would have got away with it, but she made it the chorus, which is significant for writing credits. That's one third of a song. So the fact that she said it so much oh. is what made it so relevant to somebody potentially having credits on it. Yes, yeah, she does. Well, does she say I'm that bitch? She only says that at the beginning of the song, doesn't she? I don't know. I think she does. I, don't, I should I know don't, because I I've listened to the damn listen song to so much. But All right. Appreciate you, Marlon. Next email is from Big Stew. Big Stew. Um, hey, Red and Mr. On Point. My name is Big Stu, representing the 918 Tulsa, Oklahoma. I first want to say that I really love y'all podcast and have probably been listening to y'all for at least a year now. Out of all the podcasts I listen to from Brilliant Idiots, Joe Rogan, the Joe Button Podcast, and many more, y'all podcasts are the only one I feel I can't miss. I've been meaning to write in for a while, but procrastinating seems to be my favorite pastime as of late. Now that the formalities are out of the way, there's a few topics that I'd like to run by y'all. Really appreciate that, man. Dude. The it, fact it, us being mentioned in the same sentence as Brilliant Idiots and Joe Button's podcast, which are ridiculously successful podcasts, is again we would be doing this shit even if we wasn't recording it. And so it still is just amazing to me that it resonates with people. And what we ask everybody uh when we get a new letter is, "How did you come across us?" Anyway, you know what yeah. I'm saying. I'm interested in that. Um, but we, I definitely appreciate the shout out and that, that recognition. It's, yeah. it's cool. It's uh, one, as a 30 year old man from Tulsa, growing up, the Tulsa massacre, formerly the Tulsa race riots, was not a topic that was discussed often. If my memory serves me right, it was maybe a page in a textbook, but other than that, not taught in school. It has been acknowledged more recently, but to me that feels empty because the area in which Black Wall Street existed is now being heavily gentrified. So there was and don't think there ever will be any ret real retribution. There was not and don't think there will ever be any real retribution. Which got me thinking, there always seems to be a dialogue from white people to black people to get over slavery. It was so long ago. They act like slavery ended and black folks were instantly treated like equal members of society. They also tend to forget about all the atrocities that have been committed against large groups of blacks since then. You know what? This, 
I told I didn't I I talked about this irritating woman in my orientation class named Kieran. I didn't talk about it on the show, but I talked to you about her. One of the things that she said this week. Now keep in mind, she's the only white person in this orientation. Everybody else is black. It's nurses. There are med, uh, mental health tech, bunch of different people. Um, one of the things that she said, we were talking, and I, you never talk politics with people. I just I don't know why folks do this, but she was like that the the. Somebody, one of the girls said something about how the um, the uh, Constitution wasn't good and, and and wasn't fair. And Karen was like, "What do you mean? The t- the const- How is the Constitution not fair? What's wrong with the Constitution?" And you know, I was just like, "What?" Because the other girl was hood. Okay, this one gonna go nowhere good. So I stepped in because I was like, "You don't want her to answer, Karen. Let me answer for her." Basically, when the Constitution was written, it was not written with everybody in mind. We were not even considered, you know, to be citizens. And you know what I'm saying? During that time. So the problem with the Constitution is that it was never written with us in mind. And she was like, well, there, you know, that's what the amendments were for. Well, Karen. <laughs> the mi- amendments just called us people, Karen. God damn. I mean, is that the best we can get? Karen said that's what the amendments are for. I said, Karen, we just gonna agree because I could see it wasn't gonna go nowhere good. And old girl over here was ready to punch Karen in her shit. Just from the rest, she had been talking so fucking much the whole week. So this was gonna be the straw. So I was like, don't do it. It's okay, Karen. We can just agree <laughs> to disagree. But yes, that that mentality of you know slavery, just get over it. It's not a, it permeates through <laughs> through their little society it's easy to not be touched by something when it ain't impacted you yes it's easy to not be bothered by something when it's not impacted you and i think that you know i talked about this before that the microscope that brown people have all been looked at through history has created this sense of unity between us and so we all have like this connection is that that phenomenon when a a new shooting happened all black folk be like man i hope they ain't black yep <laughs> i hope they ain't black white people don't have to do that they don't, they don't have to connect yeah. themselves to other white people's experience and they don't have to feel the negative effects of that and i think that's what's happening when it comes to how they communicate about the atrocities that we face because we look at each other as this holistic group perspective and we apply how this could impact any of us and white people are like well i'm not racist racism is not a problem i'm not racist i'm not racist where is racism at i don't even see racism anywhere i'm not that way where is it like that's how white people be like it's like they they can afford to have blinders on to everything that really block out everything that's going on around them they can afford it because they ain't been the ones that had something happen to them I wish I could remember what Karen said. We had a one of the people that came in to talk to us, um, and somebody asked him what his background was, and he's Arabic and Mexican, which is a weird, you know, it is. You don't really see that mix often. Uh, but Karen, <laughs> damn, what did Karen say? She said something to where everybody in the What's room. What's his name? Uh, Amir. I know him. You know Amir? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. He came. He, God was like, that got to be the only. It's because pro- it's a weird <laughs> yeah. mix. How often does that shit happen? What I cannot remember what she said, but all of us, including him, just looked at her like, 
Because he had said something about, oh, he had said, so he was like, yeah, I know my name is Brown and shit. Uh, Amir is cool as fuck. Let me just say that. I like him. Um, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I know my name is Brown and shit. So that was very funny. But he was talking about how his siblings have regular names, you know, like more um, American, I will say, names. And um, <laughs> I wish I could remember what the fuck Karen said, bro. It was so like it was so bad. It was one of those like those um record scratch moments where everybody was just like, bitch, <laughs> <laughs> including him. He ain't trying to be professional because he's supposed to be instructing us. <laughs> oh, I, can't, I wish I could remember what the fuck she said about his 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 heritage i can't remember but it was it was just very white of karen i'm just gonna say that karen just like her saying that the constitution is like the greatest thing and not being able to understand how somebody who it wasn't written within mind and even with the fucking amendment still not really being written with us in mind she can't fathom how anyone could think that there's anything wrong with the constitution the constitution is amazing how dare you how un-american <laughs> It's basically how Karen felt about that conversation. And I told them, y'all stop. Don't y'all see Karen crazy? Stop bringing her into these fucking conversations that you know you're just going to get upset about. Don't ask Karen shit you don't want to know. You know she's probably voted for Trump. Hell, don't have a conversation with her. Stop doing that to yourself. Karen's crazy. But they're not connected to it. So it's easy for them to minimize it. Unfortunately. And, yeah, that's what I had to tell myself about Karen ass. Number two. Better O'Rourke is no different than Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, or any other non-qualified person to run for office. It's all about that money. <laughs> Once you run for office, you go from being known locally to having nationwide cachet. Now that speaking engagement, book deal, business deal, asking price goes up. So Better O'Rourke this week dropped out of the presidential race. I saw that. And yeah. I don't see a lot of things. Politics His wise. money probably is going down. Also, Kamala Harris has closed down her New Jersey offices. Mm -hmm. So she's probably about to get out of it, too. Um, the issue is they not raising money like that. For some reason, Pete Buttigieg and Andrew Yang is raising money out the ass. Um, Pete Buttigieg is raising a whole bunch of money and to be honest it really don't seem that far out of reality that Pete Buttigieg could be one of the ones uh, he is uh, above Joe Biden right now in the polls and slightly below Elizabeth Warren so I don't know what it's gonna look like but I'm glad Beto jumped out but he jumped out so abruptly like I wonder what it is you know this you know, Stu make the point that, you know, his notoriety done gone up. So I'm thinking that maybe he got an offer to be a part of something that was more guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Or another part that may happen, he might have fucked himself up when he started talking about taking away AR 15s. After that shooting in Texas, he said, You damn right we taking your AR 15s. Oh, Jesus. That really might have fucked him up in his home state. Like, that really might have fucked up his. His, you know, bid again. Because I tell you, if he had that messaging before he ran against Ted Cruz, that shit would have went way worse. You want to get Americans upset? Threaten take away their guns. And then Texans, hell. Especially I Texas. Think Texas is one of the states that's tried to secede from the damn nation. <laughs> for, for random reasons. <laughs> shit. 
the last one, I think a couple episodes ago, y'all mentioned Kellogg's LGBTIA commercial or rollout. I have an issue with it as well, but for a different reason than the lady y'all spoke on. I just generally don't care for moral or ethical statements from big corporate entities. To me, it just comes off as a money grab and not very genuine. I like most companies. I feel like most companies would sell Black Lives Matter gear and KKK gear <laughs> if it made sense financially, but that's just me. Um, I don't know. I think I measure that by how unpopular the opinion is. Uh, like Cheerios put a interracial couple in their commercial. Oh, yeah. And motherfuckers got mad, you know. And for uh, Kellogg to have that LGBTIA commercial rollout, like they only really sought to lo- lose and stigmatize people. The same thing for Nike. Well, they don't want who had the cereal that's a bunch of nasty ass cereals mixed up together. That's this what he's talking okay. about. All right, it was it was Kellogg's, I think. All them Kellogg because the chicken was on there with the cornflake. <laughs> You know, so I I think it depends on how unpopular it is for me to measure the the genuineness of it because no oppressed group that you are ally for as a corporation is going to bring you more money. If you do something for black people, you're going to lose white people and their majority. If you you, uh, do something for the LGBT community, you're going to lose straight pride and white people and then white conservative people. Like, I mean, our society is pretty much run by white people. Yeah, black folks too. Yeah, black folks too. With the LGBTQ community, you're going to lose black folks too. Yeah, because people don't think about it like this, but black people are absolutely religious. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember who said this, but Republicans can have so much more of the black vote because they're so conservative and uh, religiously speaking on a lot of values and family values, but they racism don't let them be <laughs> uh, appropriate enough for black people to support them. Yeah. They policies don't help black people enough for that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Was that all from Stu? That is all from Stu, man. Appreciate Thank you, that letter. Man. I'm always excited when we hear from new people. I like I like to know who's listening to us. Even if you listen to us and you disagree. I think we had the lady that said we need to look up stuff sometimes before yeah. we talk about even that kind of shit. We want to know because even though we we would be having these conversations anyway, the because we are recording them and sharing them, we want to make sure as reasonable as it can be that we are making sure we take into consideration what the listeners and I, and I don't know if y'all know but like that's the structure of our show i mean it's a lot of popular shows out there that write material and that have a lot more structure and segments and stuff but the reality is we are doing what we would be doing <laughs> on jen's couch and with that we wouldn't be or red's couch with that we wouldn't be uh, having segments set up and no. we wouldn't be filtering ourselves and we wouldn't be doing anything. This was meant to be exclusively what we do anyway, you yeah. know, it, and it was self care for us. So I just appreciate y'all for listening in and, and having some dialogue awesome. with us. It's so amazing. Um, Stu from Oklahoma, Stu from Oklahoma, man, send us your uh, address and send us how you came across the podcast. Um, Colin, I'm sorry, man. Colin sent the email and said that I win with this one. You know, so we're going to have to be real specific next time about. <laughs> he ain't even put no body in the email. He just was like, did I win? Colin. You know, and I told him he did because I had not seen Stu's email, but you were the fifth email and the fifth person, Colin. 
to your credit, you were the first though. <laughs> <laughs> and you got a package before. He has. That wouldn't stop you from being able to get a package in the future, but you at least know what them packages be about, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what I put in that thing. Last letter is from Mr. German, um, who is oh, also known as Tag. Tag. I was gonna uh, say, who the fuck is Tag? Did you read this letter? <laughs> I, I don't know. The title of it is Thanos Snap the Meat. <laughs> this can get really not complicated you, for Tag. you. Come on, this can Tag. get really complicated Wait, for no, you, Red. Tag is usually not this dude. Tag, don't be this dude. Listen. <laughs> Greetings, Red. Greetings on point. Y'all think y'all think Thanos beat his meat with the gauntlet on? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean, that'll be that'll be a, a god move, wouldn't it? I don't I don't know if you had the gauntlet, why would you I wouldn't have to beat my if I had the gauntlet, I just use the reality stone to have me some women up in here. I have a party party. The gauntlet seems like it it's metal, so it doesn't seem like that would be very comfortable. <laughs> I don't know, man. You, I'm, I'm sure that there's one of them stones can turn it into velvet or silk or whatever you want to use. <laughs> I'm, man. If you had the gauntlet with all the stones on it, you can have the best circumstances for everything. I just don't know why you would beat your meat if you had a reality stone. You know what I'm saying? I feel like there's so many things you can do. Thank you so much, Tag, for bringing us down this road. Don't act like if you ain't had a gauntlet and you was feeling like. Feeling like some body fun, you wouldn't be snapping something kind of. I feel like I would be doing more things with that gauntlet than that. But I'm saying you could do a lot. I mean, you got the gauntlet forever. You don't know. He got it snatched up in the second movie. But but that's because he wanted to kill half of the people. I might want to do that. Well, if you if you acquire (laughs) all of the stones, and see me, I would be discreet. I would have it and just have it like. I would just be like every day. I'm just I be doing real minute random <laughs> shit with it. I be like snapping my favorite meal up and shit. Like yeah, I can kill half of the whole universe, but I want a big ass good ass steak right now. You know what I'm saying? I be snapping piles of money and shit. I be snapping so many things. I be snapping myself invisible, just walking around butt naked, being Walmart butt naked and invisible. I just be doing all kind of random shit because I don't want to draw attention to myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The only way they could find the gauntlet for real is he had that big ass snap where he destroyed the hose. Yeah. They didn't say they could detect him when he was doing little bitty shit with the gauntlet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like if I had the gauntlet, I'd be doing so many things. My friends ain't going to have to worry about shit. Well, I'm glad to be one of them. <laughs> I'll be snapping you. I'll be snapping y'all all kinds of shit. I'll be like, where you want to live? Where you want to live at? What kind of house you want? I'm going to snap you the way you want to go. And I'm going to snap everybody remembering memories to remembering you there. And they bring you gifts every day. They ain't going to know that they weren't doing that shit before I snapped it on their ass. I just be doing all kinds of crazy shit, man. But. Uh, but be my meat ain't one of them because I would just snap some people into my reality and go from there. Unless I wanted to, you know, see what it's like. Oh, God. <laughs> 
Anyway, the CEO of Twitter recently revealed in a Twitter thread that the company would no longer be allowing sponsored ads for political candidates or political issues. Ads encouraging people to vote in things similar would still be allowed. The official policies are going to be disclosed mid-November and will go into effect mid to late November. This seems like a good thing. I'm wondering if y'all have any thoughts on this change. You guys do a pretty good job of talking through issues, and I can't immediately think of a negative with this. I also welcome Colin's input on this. Also, as gamers, are y'all interested in Google Stadia? To me, it seems like something that, that's going to need more time to be worth my money. Till next time, Negras. Tag. <laughs> Is that their um, console? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I am not in the Google stat Stadia, but uh, the nerd plate is where you want to go if you want to have a conversation about the Stadia and all Stadia related things, because they've had several episodes of their podcast where they go uh, into depth about the Stadia. If you want to, uh, Leroy, catch him a rock man, 3K3, give me a, uh, a episode name of the episodes where you talk about the Stadia so I can send tag there then that'll be cool um but they give a really good breakdown of what the stadium is supposed to be and what you might be able to expect from it um so i don't know if y'all know what's going on on facebook but elizabeth warren made a real real boss move <laughs> elizabeth warren basically to point out facebook's inability to filter out uh untrue ads posted an untrue ad with Mark Zuckerberg and Trump holding or uh, shaking hands with some kind of unfavorable ad under it. <laughs> so it's like, damn, like she posted that from her website and the caption she put with it was, see, this is fuckery. So clearly so many people is going to shit. So that was a boss move by Elizabeth Warren to expose the situation. But the issue well, the reason that this is all coming about now is because Facebook is under fire for so many Russians being able to intervene in our social media and how we weren't able to keep them from impacting our system so much that it impacted people's elections. So when we talk about Russians rigging the election, maybe they did something with machines, but the biggest thing that they did was they, they used our social ills to drive wedges in between us so what it found out was they was building up facebook groups and building up these big pages and pages was run by russians and it was basically all lives matter pages or black lives matter pages and they was putting up shit that pretty much at our core divided us and bought out racism mm -hmm. and that's the kind of shit that polarizes us just enough for trump to get in the office the way Trump got in the office because they fueled up a racist ass base and, and it ain't one none you can do to stop. Them. So the issue becomes where is the line drawn between a platform that the government is not supposed to control and you can have free speech on it versus looking like you're subduing free speech by saying you can't say these things. Well, but then it say that you can't, do, they're not allowing sponsored ads. You can still post stuff pertaining to it. You just, it can't be a sponsored ad. Like that's cutting into the money part of it. It, it doesn't sound like it's saying that you can't. It just, it's not going to be no sponsored ads. But I mean, but I mean, I guess what I'm saying is social media has marketed itself as the free speech platform. You still 
can say it. You just it ain't gonna be. But it's not saying that they're taking away sponsored ads. Not sponsored ads, political sponsored ads. But that's what I'm saying. It's not saying they're taking away political. Hold on. They're not taking away the ability to post sponsor ads. They're looking at your ad and they're determining whether it can be accepted and then they're removing it is mm-hmm. what it sounds like. And if y'all don't know anything about Facebook right now, Facebook's algorithm for how they put people in Facebook jail is coming down hard on black people. If you say white people, that's why. So when you look at these groups and you hear people saying white people. But what about Twitter? What about Twitter? That's what he said. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is. Twitter done proactively came out and said, we ain't trying to go through this shit Facebook going through. Oh, okay. So, so the issues kind of is face Mark Zuckerberg going in there and getting roasted by Congress because he ain't doing shit to change and help this, even though they had the knowledge. Oh. So, yes, this is about Twitter coming out, but Twitter ain't got the heat that Facebook got because all this Russian shit was mostly Facebook. Yeah. Twitter and Twitter been shutting down Russian bot bot pages and all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. So they've been really proactive. So the only reason I'm talking about Facebook is because of how um how it's really kind of been was exposed to Congress to to say, damn, this system is flawed as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what I was saying before you said that though. I don't remember. But um I think I think that's the dilemma though. I and I, I don't think Oh, I was talking about how uh, you've been here seeing these groups where they say white people, where they spell it W Y P I P O, and mm-hmm. all kind of different variations. It's because if you say white people, you gonna get flagged and and maybe sent to Facebook jail for a day. That shit been happening to black people all over the world. But you can say black people and nigga, and white people ain't getting put in Facebook jail at the same rate. Yeah. So they got an algorithm that impacts one group over the other group. So. If they take away sponsored ads in general, which wouldn't be stupid because I know sponsored ads generates a lot of revenue, that's one thing. But I'm wondering how these algorithms are going to appropriately filter out political ads. I just, I mean, and and so when you leave that up to us, the subjective system, you may have some that go through. You may have some that challenge whether it's political or not. I don't know. I think it depends on how they carry it out. That's why they're being really careful about how they release that policy. They are sitting back trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, But I think the downside to it is what if you support something that is viewed as political, but is not meant to be political. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Then that the same thing that's happening to black people on Facebook is going to be what's happening to certain groups on Twitter. Um, but that's the only downside I see. Um, it might be a good change. Um, but then again, we already know that uh, a black population it don't vote a lot. It's, it's like one of the lowest groups of people that vote. So like those uh, voter die campaigns, those can't be on Facebook now. I mean, on Twitter now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I really don't know how that's... I don't know how they really going stop that like that that's gonna take a whole bunch of work to stop people from you know doing that but you know i ain't even know twitter has sponsored ads like that i think all of these social media platforms have sponsored ads i ain't i, I don't be on twitter enough to you know. know i don't yeah so but anyway appreciate that letter tag was he the last one yeah thank y'all for all listen i don't mind doing a show of letters where we at 
Uh, we got about 15 minutes left. Damn, 15 minutes. Okay. If you have a question that you would like for us to answer on the show, you can send it to our Gmail account, which is conversationcarartist at gmail.com. Leroy and Big Stu, we're going to need you all to email us your addresses so that you can get your prizes. Um, we can also be found on Facebook, Conversation Car Artist. Um, and let's see. Um, John Witherspoon fucking died this past week. When I tell you I that was the worst thing to wake up to, like... Uh, pops man that shit was foul as fuck i was very unhappy uh he was 77 years old and didn't even know he was you i mean i guess when you get to be 77 any day could be it but that <laughs> just wasn't something i expected yeah cardiac arrest he did you know that he had a cooking channel on youtube mm-hmm I'm sure cooking. it was hilarious. Yeah, he recorded a video the day before he died on there. And they say it is funny from beginning to end. So I think I'm going to go check it out. You know, I after Pops died, I didn't realize that he was going to be one of the, I feel like the most significant deaths in terms of characters that I've I've liked. Um, He, he don't get no supersized roles. He ain't reach super duper star star status but he has always been funny even on the breakfast club his interviews are funny all of his roles are funny i mean you gotta coordinate (laughs) and he was just (laughs) humble he was you know and and will smith i had a problem with will smith because he earlier on in his career different than now because he got that little bel-air line out uh the line of clothing from Mm bel-air you heard about that Will Smith got like the reversible jacket that he used to have on on the show and he got some gear from Bel Air Academy. But earlier on in his career, he talked about how he hated looking back at himself acting on Fresh Prince. And and it hurt to hear that because Fresh Prince meant a lot to me, Mm -hmm. you know, and the lessons that I learned from that shit. Even I mean, especially the episode where his daddy left Man, him. You God know, damn, that's the sad. Woo, it was Lord. sad, but like it, it was good. It's so deeply identified with what I was going on through in my life. It hurt to hear that the person who did that he didn't value it the way that I valued it, you know. But it's Will Smith. He he's still cool. But when Pops went on the Breakfast Club, they asked him. Or I keep calling him Pops. When John Witherspoon went on the Breakfast Club. They asked him, do you get tired of people, you know, saying bang, you know, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and he said, no, that's what made me. You know, how can I ever, ever be ashamed of the thing that made me what I am and made me who I am and make the people like me so much? And I was like, damn, like that's humility. Like that make me feel good about liking your character, you know? Yeah, it was but, a big loss. Um, his son wrote a real touching message I about him, and um, shit is just sad, man. But and the thing is, and this is what I always think about every time somebody like John Witherspoon dies, or um, Diane Carroll. Who do we have that's coming up? You know what I'm saying? Like who who are these? Who are they, who gonna be these people when I'm old, or when my kids are? You know what I'm saying? When my kids are my age. Looking back, who 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 do we have? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like it just be some old people that pop up and just that started acting when they was fifty eight. <laughs> you know, it probably ain't, we probably ain't gotta look for wait for Mike Epps to get old. What Mike Epps? 
We ain't got to wait for him to get old. I mean, I, it's probably going to be some old cat that pop up that's just hilarious and be like, <laughs> where you been? Just started, you know. Um, but they kind of, it's going to be hard to find somebody as appropriately animated as John Fuck, Witherspoon I was. just thought about what this is going to mean for fucking boondocks. <sighs> yeah. Ain't no telling. They ain't get a sound alike. It is not going to be him. Or maybe now. they'll kill him. Off of the show, I don't know. Because you know Charlie Murphy can't do reprise his role either. Yeah. So who knows? But rest in peace, John Witherspoon. For real. I guess I'm going to end the podcast off on another political note. Uh, with Kanye coming out and saying that the Democrats have brainwashed us, and they are making us. Uh, kill babies and if you're a black person that you've been brainwashed by the democrat party to believe that everything is all good a side note of that kanye west had a conversation with uh what's that british dude name that be singing song court uh adam Corb oh james corden james corden uh they were on an airplane and they were just having a conversation and kanye west basically was saying that i made a hundred and however many million dollars last year and I ended up 35 million in debt and this year I got a 67 million tax break and I want people to know about my blessings and Jesus and God and I'm like <laughs> I'm like <sighs> deep side man Kanye man anyway anyway I guess what I wanted to say about that is that a lot of people keep bringing up shit about the Democratic Party keeping black people down because of welfare and because of abortion and all of this shit. And Kanye just happened to be somebody that I think is just falling for the Republican spin and rhetoric on uh, Democratic values. But also Kanye West is rich. Kanye West has the luxury of looking at the world from a Republican lens. So, yes, he got all the kids he got. Yes, he's rich. He can look at abortion from the context of y'all killing babies, you know, because he's rich. He can take care of all the kids he got. But we have a lot of people in our community who have a lot of kids that they can't take care of. And abortion is not about killing babies. It's about women having the rights to choose what they want to do with their bodies. There are so, so, so few women who actually have abortions just because they didn't wear a condom and they didn't protect themselves. A lot of abortions happen in, I think, the the 40 and up group. Mm -hmm. If it's not most, it's a lot of them. Like There are particular groups of people who get abortions that go through specific circumstances that lead, lead them to that. And I just hate that Kanye West sees all black people as just Democrats because that just further reinforces the rhetoric that he has uh, carried on from the Republican Party because not every black person is that. And I think and I, I feel like this happens a lot. I feel like people misconstrue folks being upset at you being a black Republican and you being a Trump supporter. Those are different things. <laughs> And for Kanye, I think that he's taken up this cross. But a lot of the things that people, one, a lot of the shit he's saying is bullshit like this. But two, 
a lot of it has to do with him backing Trump specifically. There are lots of black Republicans. Kanye West is not a unicorn out here. He loves to think that he's fucking special, but he's not. There are black Republicans. There have always been black Republicans and there will always be, especially black people that have money. They're going to be usually because of the tax breaks and shit that you get on the Republican side of things. Or if you're a conservative. So it ain't even about that. Like, I think that he does that and says it that way. But like, I think a lot of people's issue is his, his, all the Trump shit that he say. I mean, I don't know. It makes sense for Kanye West to support Trump. Um, but not in the context of it being the same Kanye that said George Bush don't, don't like care black about people. black people. Yeah. Or don't care about black people. Uh, I guess after his mama died, it just, he's it, it, unpredictable. As it pertains to, you know, his thoughts and his feelings. Okay. Uh, I mean, even down to Miley, uh, not Miley. Uh, Taylor, sorry, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift with a Hennessy bottle. He's just unpredictable now. And he's looking for something to, to fix that. It's going to be interesting to know how he responds to conservative values now that he's dived into faith. Because Jesus wouldn't do nothing the goddamn Republican doing. Well, apparently, and this goes back to the what you wear conversation. Him and Kim have had some issues because now that he's, you know, really religious, um, he wants her to dress more conservatively than. <laughs> My nigga, look, who are you married to? Like, this ain't, that ain't this. That's not what's going to happen. And she, of course, told him when I, I was dressing like this when you met me. Happens, man. Now he wants her to, you know, dress more conservatively, which is not Kim Kardashian at all. She paid too much for that body to dress conservatively. It is what it is. Um, I've been meaning to mention this every week, and I keep forgetting. I just briefly want to. I don't know if you've seen what's going on with uh, Lil Fizz from B2K and Amarion. Uh uh Fizz is fucking his baby mama. Really? Yes. And I just th- look. There are there are unwritten rules. You know what I'm saying. And I know that they may not be like the best of friends, but you were in a group. You toured. You have history with this person. To be fucking his baby mama is kind of. But what's hilarious is the memes going around about Omarion because Omarion is basically Ray Charles to the bullshit. Omarion ain't said a goddamn thing. Everybody has been saying stuff on his behalf about how fucked up it is. He ain't said shit. <laughs> He been living his best life, so I guess he's not worried about it. But uh, that was just such a weird thing when I saw that. I was like, "Nigga, that show, oh, y'all just did a tour <laughs> together, an unsuccessful one because I believe Rasby flipped out <laughs> toward the end." But I just that ain't, you don't do that shit. It's an unwritten rule. Like you just don't do that. It's it's too many bitches in the world for you to do that. It's unnecessary. Like why? And for anybody who gonna say, but what if you just happen to fall in love? You can't talk to somebody just because they used to talk to somebody else. What if that's your soulmate? Find another soulmate, okay? <laughs> because your soulmate should not be the person who gonna fuck up your friendship with somebody that you've been friends with prior to this. That's not how soulmates work. <laughs> so. I mean, I was just was like, God, did he got two children by this woman? They would have get and look, Omarion looked like a fuck boy. Okay, so Omarion probably was fucking all kind of bitches when he was with her. That is not the point <laughs> at 
as his friend slash, you know, uh, I don't want to, not bandmate, uh, group mate, because ain't no fucking band. Uh, it just, it just seemed very foul. I wouldn't do no shit like that. Like, I, I saw that and I was just kind of like, come on, man. <laughs> really, little Fizz. Really. She the one winning. She is, although people are, you know, folks is calling her all kinds of hoes and bitches and all kind of shit. Uh, people are disrespectful, man. People are very disrespectful. This is life, man. Life happened. But Amari ain't said nothing. He, he said, I got, like, he literally might not nothing. Even be careful. <laughs> might not even care. He might be like, all right. I mean, <laughs> I trust Fizz to be around my kids and shit more than I trust any other random nigga. He might be all right with it. He hadn't said it. He's kind of just not been. The, but the two of them, her and him, Fizz and April, talking nonstop about it, how people need to stay out of their bed and they do what they want. Just do it and hush then. You feed into it when you acknowledge but, it. I mean, I bet they get I bet they get mad shit talked about them, man. Yeah. That's when you got <laughs> to speak about it, man. You can't just <laughs> let that shit fly. You can't let that shit ride. But you're going to continue to speak about it forever because it, when you clap back, then people going to keep bringing stuff. It's never ending. Nobody's ever going to think the shit is right. If you good with it, you like her, she like you, y'all going to do this shit anyway. I just stay on social media shit. Well, maybe if Omarion didn't have a damn icebox where his heart used to be, then maybe he could goddamn <laughs> wouldn't have to worry about it at all. <laughs> so, I mean, that's his fault. <laughs> what year that song come out? I have no idea. It's a while. Ago. Let's see. Omarion oh, Icebox. I feel like, was What's I in college? Icebox. I think it was. Uh, were we in college? I don't know. I feel like that was an undergrad song. Maybe two thousand and six. Yeah, that was an undergrad song. Long time ago. <laughs> I was in my last year of undergrad. I graduated in oh seven. I went too far back. I don't know no recent Omarion songs. I don't either. What is he even doing now? Is he still dancing? Nigga. What? <laughs> Did you say is he still dancing? I feel like I feel like he be on love and hip hop and every time they bring him onto a scene, he just do a dance move into the scene and start doing you whatever sound he like, do. Was it Kevin Hart? Who was it that said they met Omarion and that nigga wouldn't stop moving. It was a comedian that did a whole set about that. I don't know. I can't remember who it was. Anyway. Now Jamie Foxx did one about Chris Brown. <laughs> Somebody did one about Omarion. I'm going to have to look you know, up. You uh, know, Jamie Foxx said he used to hold these parties. And then in one of his parties, it was this new young kid that they were saying he can dance. Mm -hmm. And then Jamie Foxx was like, hell, I can dance. And then he went over to the kid and then he was like, you know, and he was dancing and he said the dude jumped in the air and did a jump 12 feet into the air did a backflip <laughs> and landed in the exact same space <laughs> that oh he God. was in and he was like oh shit <laughs> like i can't do no shit like this i but think Jamie it, Fox story before it was cat williams i think it was cat williams oh yeah the king mm -hmm. of, he said i met Omarion. this nigga is the king of dancing for a motherfucking reason because all when you try to talk to this simple motherfucker he just did, yeah it was on a cat williams stand up um Omar, I don't, he was with um he became Maybach O because he was with rick ross Maybach O. yeah because you know rick ross has Maybach music <laughs> That man career got borderline personality disorder, <laughs> goddamn. That's what that is. 
That uh, man career got a uh, personality disorder. I feel like he put out like a song as Maybach. Oh, maybe an album. I'm not really sure because I don't really give a fuck about Amarion like that. But I don't think nothing since then. If I, I don't even know if he's still signed with Rick Ross label. Yes, at some point he has signed with Cash Money. Like he's been signed. He did sign. That's right. He's been tossed all around for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, Jesus. how is his personality on the show? I don't watch it. You don't watch it. What if he's just a dickhead? Like, or is he just real naive? Like, I wonder what what it is. I forgot about Cash Money. I, uh, he has he has jumped around a bit. Yeah, he going <laughs> Was Cash these... Money his last gig? Was that after um Rick Ross and Maybach? I don't even know. I didn't even know about uh, Maybach. So that's you that's know you. he was Maybach. Oh no. Let me see what year that was. Oh, look, look. Omarion ain't been on none of my radars, period. Oh, I don't give a fuck. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know nothing about no Omarion. If he ain't dancing into scenes and putting out no new music that's becoming popular and viral, then I don't know what the hell he got going on. Um, I don't know. Let me see. B2K, O and 21. Um, was it 2000? 2009, Lil Wayne got him. And. This man been a free agent. The <laughs> team pick him up for one year contracts <laughs> and release his ass is what's been happening. When did oh, when did he do the Maybach? Oh, shit. Oh, 2012. 2012. On May the 2nd, 2012, Amarion signed with Rick Ross label, Maybach Music. He appeared on the Self Made Volume 2. Um. Oh wait, he signed. Okay, he signed with they label, but he also signed with Jay Z's Rock Nation management. Okay. Uh, he put a second EP out called Care Package Two in 2013. And Care Package, he must have been playing Call of Duty. <laughs> I don't know. The last thing he did was that B2K fucking um tour that they did with Lil Fizz. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if he knew then. He had to know then. That was so recent. Is that relationship new? New? Yeah. Fizz them. Yeah. He probably asked for that man blessing. They wrapped that uh, tour up in April of this year, and I don't know when they first got connected. Uh, April and and Fizz, but. Maybe during the summer. It was shortly after they got off that tour. <laughs> so, Have know. you ever watched Red Table Talk? Mm-hmm. Have you watched the episode with Will Smith, part one and part two? Mm-hmm. That's a good-ass episode. But Will Smith was talking about how he had set up Alfonso uh, Roberto. Is his name? Re- yeah, re- re- something like that, yeah. Carlton, Carlton. goddamn. <laughs> I don't know um, how to pronounce the last name. He wanted to meet Jada Pinkett. Mm-hmm. And Jada Pinkett had came to the Fresh Prince for an audition. Mm-hmm. She didn't make it on the show, but he knew she played on Different World. So he wanted to go and meet her. And so Alfonso and him went to the set of different, not a different world. Mm-hmm. And Alfonso saw the dude who knew Jada that was going to introduce them to Jada. And that dude was with this girl. And he was like, who is that though? <laughs> that was Cherie, his first wife. Yeah. He went to the set of a different world to meet Jada Pinkett and got with Sheree. and got with his first wife. That's just 
And then ended up with Jada anyway. Yeah, that shit's so crazy, but like, and Jada didn't know it at the time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That he was going there to see her. But like, it's just a representation of like when you have people that's connected in a small group. Like we like to believe that the woman for us is can be anywhere in the world. And she can be anywhere in the world. But we are going to likely end up with somebody that is in our vicinity. That's what make it hard when you like bringing your girlfriend around your guys and shit. <laughs> and then y'all break up and like one of your homeboys was seeing something in that girl. And that girl was seeing something in one of your homeboys. You know, so maybe they meant to be together. Maybe Omarion and her was the wrong one. Maybe it was Fizz and her anyway. I'm going to say this. And I know people it are going to... like you said, I'm a sadist. No, I'm not a sadist. I'm going to say this. Okay. And I know people are going to get upset about it. They kids are ugly. Omarion kids? Like, they didn't do... It wasn't... It's not a good mix. You know how sometimes you had two attractive people, but the kid get all of the most awkward... Spe- especially that little girl. She, Their kids are not attractive. I don't even know how attractive Omarion really is. Well, bitches love him. He wasn't my friend. Yeah, that's because he can dance. Bitches like he think he cute. No, Omarion, dan- niggas that can dance <laughs> take away about 50% ugly. If this, if life was a game and you can apply skills to something, if you put your <laughs> dance up high, you look better to women. <laughs> Did you look up his kids? Yeah, I look them up. <laughs> they ain't ugly. They just look Samoan. They're not Samoan. I know they ain't Samoan. (laughs) They ain't ugly. They ain't ugly. Okay. I I mean, these pictures too, you know, they choose the best pictures. You got to see somebody while they eat a bowl of cereal to know if they really (laughs) ugly or not. You know how many muscles you flex in your face eat cereal? Then you got to put a spoon with liquid on it in your mouth. So you got to hold a little balance and you got to move your mouth right while it's open just to get the cereal. If you can watch a motherfucker eat cereal and they still pretty, you good. <laughs> if a motherfucker eat a bowl of cereal, they, they going to eat that shit ugly. And then when the milk at the end, they either got to pick the bowl up and drink out of it. So you lose the whole bottom part of their mouth. So you just see their eyes. You know what I'm saying? So when the bowl covering up the rest. Now, if a motherfucker ugly at the eyes, you can't do shit about that. You got to look in their eyes when you talk and communicate. Unless you're one of them people that look at a person's mouth while they're talking and not their eyes. But if you can watch a motherfucker eating a bowl of cereal and they still look good, you all right. But then you got some people who look good at the top of the eyes over the bowl. But then when the bowl gone, the shit don't look right no more. So if, you, if a motherfucker... Eating a bowl of cereal, you know what I'm saying? It, don't go by pictures. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you want to know if your your mate is really cute, really look good, watch him eat a bowl of cereal, goddamn. So that shit gonna teach you a lot about your mate and how they look. Because first off, you take away the mouth part, and then you're gonna see, oh, they fucking eyes is pretty. Or you're gonna be like, damn, I didn't even notice. I ain't even noticed their eyes was fucked up. I really hate you. <laughs> I'm just telling look, look, man, you, you can learn big lessons in really simple shit, man. Look, everybody keep telling me, like, oh, your kids are going to have good bone structure. This is for my grandmother because I have high cheekbones. I don't even know that I want my kid to get because I feel like this could go wrong. It could go real right. And they could be like a Na- Naomi Campbell out here with just beautiful structure, or it could go real wrong and mix with whoever their daddy's jawline is and just be real fucked up. I don't know. Genetics, you just don't know. 
Um, I had somebody ask me if I had contoured my face in orientation. I was like, no, it's just a shadow that's naturally there because I have my faces made. I don't put contour on my face. Man, but just, my I, kid get that it has to be in a very specific context. Like all of us had my brother William. All of us have high cheekbones. My mom, my grandmother. Like it came from my mom's side, and it all happened to work out for us. <laughs> but I feel like it could go horrifically wrong. You gonna fuck around and have kids that look like they ain't got no teeth. Goddamn! <laughs> you know how when people pull their teeth out and their whole face sink in <laughs> and their cheekbone just sitting out there? Fuck around and have some kids that yeah, look I don't like want that. that. So I'm not necessarily wanting. Clearly, don't nobody want ugly kids. I'm not. Okay? Try, I'm not necessarily wanting to pass down high cheekbones because it could go uh, go either way. Oh My cousin had like our face is very similar, like shaped. Like our family just has high cheekbones, but would you want your kid to have low ass cheekbones? Cause just that regular, shit look weirdest shit too. Well, you could just have regular, like just a regular cheekbone. It ain't gotta be high up where people notice it. Like this is noticeable. She that's not the first time, especially when I was thinner and my face was thinner. People would ask me about that all the time, like how I contour my face, which I don't know how to do that, and. With the way that everybody already think I contour my face, it probably like I had fucking mud on my face if I did try to contour. It'd be too dark. Um, but yeah, I, just regular cheekbones. Shit, you can that that could be smoothed out. And that way, if I have a boy and his dad got a very prominent jawline, he ain't gonna have a prominent ass jawline with big with cheek high cheekbone. I feel like it looks stupid. You have an elephant man looking motherfucker. I don't. Let's not put that out there. Look, I, let's I, not put that in I, the universe. No matter what I say, ain't gonna change. <laughs> how your kids gonna come out? That, you never know. Let's not take those chances, just in case. Your kids gonna come out crazy because how you be talking about your brother damn girlfriend? If no other reason, you doing that shit to yourself. You Have you you seen her? Am I make? Is, am I not telling you? Beauty the truth? is in the eye of the Nigga. goddamn holder. <laughs> Okay, I ain't no judge. I ain't on America's Next Top Model. You can judge model. what's attractive to you. Yeah, but I'm not going to judge what's attractive to him. You making it sound like everybody should just look at her the same way. No, I, that's why I ask it's people. It's some black dudes in Inslee looking at her like, damn, she fine. I bet she got money. <laughs> look, that's why. You I, know, hood <laughs> niggas love a, 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 a weird looking white woman. She looks so old, Jesus. And maybe she looks better in person. These just might have been bad pictures. I'll find out at Thanksgiving, and don't think I ain't gonna let y'all know. I will come back with a report after Thanksgiving. She, she definitely aged like cottage cheese, I'm sure. I mean, I, I hate to know. say that, white people, man, but y'all don't got no melanin, man. Like, let's not pretend. <laughs> let it, let's not tap dance around this shit, okay? The sun is in a constant state of damaging our ass, okay? It gives us some vitamin D, but it will give your ass cancer if you don't pay a fucking attention. So the fact that we have melanin protects us from some of the bullshit. And you don't got that protection. Let's just not let's, let's not pretend, okay? That's just reality. But it is what it is. <laughs> you got anything else on your mind? No, that was it. All right. Well, until we come to the next conversation. We out. Holla. <laughs> <laughs>